Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. But this morning, we're going to be here at this church, and I want to talk to you about a lesson I learned in my season in this church, in my time in this church, when I continue to learn. So, Let's have some fun this morning. You ready to go? I talk fast. I would apologize, but I don't want to. It's just what's going to happen, okay? I talk fast. Hang with me. We're going to get into a lot of scripture because that's way more important than anything Caleb has to say. Trust me. I can't wait to get to heaven and find out everything I'm wrong about, right? It's most, right? You know, they couldn't recognize Jesus on the way to Emmaus. I don't got Romans figured out. I'm just doing the best I can. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to spend time in God's word because it has way more power than anything that I'm carrying this morning. So let's pray and get after it, shall we? Are you ready to go, church? Are you with me? Yeah, let's go. Lord Jesus, we invite you into this place, and we pray the enemy out. He has no room in this place. Father, all the things that are coming to our minds, of things that are dragging us out of this room, thoughts, things that we have to do this week, things we got to do today, things that are busy, that load of laundry that's been in the dryer for two days, keep spinning. God, may we forget about it, and may you move powerfully. May your word speak to us this morning. May it do what it's supposed to do, Jesus. May it Teach us, correct us, rebuke us, train us up, Jesus, and cause us to soar today, Lord God. Would you convict us and may we repent, Jesus, because that's the greatest gift you've ever given us. And Father, may we walk out of this room differently than the way we walked in. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are continuing on in our series. And when Tim first asked me to come and speak and be a part of this series, he gave me a big list of things, and he's like, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, the, the topic is there's more. And I was like, oh, you're going to have to pick something, man. And then he gave me a topic, and then he had to pivot around. And so, unfortunately, I'm doing something that we weren't planning on doing today, and I'm coming back in July. So if, if you're unhappy today, you know, just find out when I'm coming back and take that day off in July. So, um, but um, we're going to do something, a lesson that I learned here, and um, Here's what I want to ask you all. Um, does your life look exactly like the way you envisioned it in your youth, right? Anyone would say that? Anyone's like, you know, this is exactly how I thought my life would turn out. Um, this is not usually the case, right? In some ways, thank goodness, right? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever got to some place and you're like, oh, I hate this. And you're like, whew, thank you for showing me that now that I hate this. You know, I don't want to chase after things that I don't like. Like, we have this, right? My life looks... Nothing like I thought it would. Absolutely nothing. I uh, was working in full-time ministry, uh, and I celebrated that nine years ago this month that I left, and I was like, I'll be out for a couple weeks, and I was like, I'll go hang with Tim for a while, and nine years later, I'm just hanging out, speaking and preaching wherever anyone will have me, and I'm like, all right, let's roll, whatever you got for me. God gave me three red-headed children, so we haven't been outside in years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, we're, we're hanging out. It looks nothing like I thought. And it was good, and I found myself a few weeks ago, my wife and I were talking, and we're, and we're coming into a new season. My youngest is two and a half years old, and everyone asks if we're having any more, and I say, have you met my youngest? No, 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 no. Um, so I'm like, okay, God, what do you have for me next? What do you have for me next? And I found what I've been doing. I found that I'm guilty of something that I didn't even realize I should feel guilty about until a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting in 
praying with my wife and we were on the back porch and we we're like, all right, we want to be open to whatever the Lord has for us next. I don't know what that looks like, um, but isn't that kind of terrifying? Like there's this thing that people like to say, Christians like to say, like in the center of God's will is the safest place in the universe, right? And you're like, what kind of psychotic person ever said that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like we know it's going to be okay, but being in the center of God's will means you have no idea where you're going to end up, right? That's what we're signing up for. Like, God, God, do, and we were on the back porch and we spent, and we're like, God, we want to repent of this. And, and when I'm going to say repent several times this morning, can I just tell you this? That's not a scary or bad word, okay? Believe it or not, we sometimes do things that are wrong. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like we're not always right. You know what I mean? Otherwise, we're going to get to heaven and we're like, hey, you're sitting in my seat and that ain't going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, we fall short. Scripture tells us that over and over. My wife spent some time, and I we were, we were on the back porch praying and asking the Lord if we could do something, do something. And I found myself guilty of this. Uh, are you with me on this, friends? I found myself that I spend way more time pursuing the things of God more than I spend time pursuing God himself. I want the things that come from the Lord. I find myself seeking after the things that come from God. God, I want your grace. God, I want your mercy. God, I need your joy. God, fill me up. God, rescue me. God, help me. God, help me. And I spend way less time pursuing who he is. Friends, I got to stop that. Anyone with me? Like, like we got to stop that. We got to pursue God himself. I want to know who he is. I love being his son. I love it. I love to hear his voice. I want more of it. I want to hear God more. God, God, I want to know. There is something unbelievably humbling about pursuing the person of God. It is unbelievably humbling. The more you seek God himself, not the things that God can give you or that God graciously gives us or that God does through us, but when you seek the person of God, the God himself who rode in town on a donkey, right? That God, when you see, there's something unbelievably humiliating, like we humble ourselves and realize that God moves in absolute power through us by his grace, not because of anything that we bring to the table. Because we want to pursue the person, like, guys, I am never satisfied outside of his presence, ever. I spend a lot of time outside God's presence, and I always find myself in the same situation. I am wanting. That's where I find myself, outside of God's presence, a stage of wanting. I am, I want, the only thing that, I want more of God's presence. I want to know, and here's the thing. Isn't it obvious, like, if I told you this right now, you're going to think of someone immediately, okay? It is obvious. It is so clear to us to see someone who actively spends time in the presence of God, is it not? Isn't it so clear to, to know, like you can think of someone right now, you're like, they know the Father. They spend time in his presence. They hear his voice. They're what we call the burning ones, right? Like they're the ones you want to go to when you want to hear from God. I want God to show me something. I need the Father. So we run to people who we know spend time in the presence of the Father. And what I've found the past several months is I've spent time on this journey. God, I want to I seek you. I want to know who you are above all else. Here's what I found. The one thing that connects the dots around all the things. Like God is everything that you think. He's more than you think. Whatever your image of God, picture of God is, he's more, right? There's more to him. There's more that we're going to do. There's more we're going to discover. But God is all of those things, right? You know who he is? He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning in the end. That's who God is, right? You know who God is? God is the rock and a fortress. That's what God is. 
You're wondering, who is this God you're talking about? Uh, God is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the day spring. He is Emmanuel. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the captain. He is the Redeemer. He is the Savior. That's who God is. And the more time you spend in his presence, you realize who he is above all of those things I just listed. All of those things you could read about. John says he's done more than there are words in, this, in the world, more than grains of sand. He's done more than all of that. Above all those things, God is the one thing he shouldn't be the most. He is a servant. God is a servant. And the more I seek God, the more I chase after God, I think, God, why is the thing you are above all else the one thing that you have no business being? What on earth does God have business serving Caleb? Like, I am nothing. Like, apart from God's presence, I am, an, I am just an idiot, friends. That's all. I, I mean, I am a short, balding um, man who's got, I don't got a lot. Like, but in his presence, I'm the son of a king. That's what I am in his presence. And above all else, he serves me. He serves us. And so I could get up here this morning and tell you, hey, that we should serve. And I don't think many of you out there would be like, you know, I disagree. I disagree, Caleb. I actually don't think we should serve. I actually don't think that's what God actually calls us to do. Not many of us are going to take that stance, right? I don't think you're like, you're reading the Bible wrong. But here's what I want to talk to us. Why do we serve? In a culture all about self, right, why do we serve? Now, would any of us disagree that we live in a culture that thinks about ourselves more than others? This is not anything new to anyone, right? In fact, you, can, you know when you can find people writing about that? Genesis. It's been going on a long time. So why does, in a culture of self, why do we serve? I'm going to look at three reasons why we serve. Now, I actually only need to give you one. It would be enough, but I want to, you know, we'll go big here. Yeah. Friends, I love being here. Can I just say that? <laughs> I love this church so much. I want you to know how serious I take this, right? Like, like, I know the words I say up here, I will stand to give an account before the Father one day. Scripture tells me that. So I take this serious. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the Word of God today. You cool with that? Because I can stand on the rock that is His Scripture, right? That's what I can stand on. Above all else, these things I know. Right, Psalms tells us, right, the Word of the Lord is right. The statutes of the Lord are right. Like, I can stand on that this morning. So we're going to spend a lot of time in that. If you have a problem with this book, you're probably going to have a problem with me and this morning just letting you know. Um, here we go. We're going to look at three reasons why we serve. Point number one, Jesus demonstrates it. End of the story. I can pray and let's get out of here, right? Jesus demonstrates it. Isn't that enough? Let's go to John chapter 13, starting in verse one. It's going to be up on the screen. It says this. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them, my version says this, the full extent of his love. Let's stop there for a moment. Read that again. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Your, your version might say, love them to the end, which means that every act that Jesus did while he walked this earth up to this point was a small portion of the love of God. It means when Lazarus was dead and then he wasn't, just a small piece, Right? Every miracle, every healing, every teaching, all of that was just a tiny, small part of love. But when Jesus wants to demonstrate the full extent of his love, when he wants to show you what true love from the Father looks like, I'm going to give you all that I have in this moment. What does he do? The full extent of God's love looks like this. 
The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So the full extent of God's love looks like him hitting the ground and washing the feet of the disciples. That's the full extent of the Father's love. Friends, will you ever, 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 ever reach a point where you're beyond serving? No. The Father himself, when he wants to demonstrate the full extent of his love, gets on his knees and begins to wash the disciples' feet. My introduction to serving, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, which means we had a baptistry that you had to walk up to that hung above everything so you could be like, oh, you know. Um, and uh, they would fill it up with water if there were baptisms. And my job was to go really early with my dad, and I would go scoop their crickets out of the baptistry before people got in. Because if you didn't, people would be like, look, I want to get baptized, but I ain't going in there. You know what I'm saying? They'd be swimming everywhere. So I would go and I'd scoop the crickets out. I did this from when I was five until I was 18 and we moved buildings and got a portable baptistry. Can eliminate the crickets a lot easier. Let me tell you. So that's what I did. But let me tell you, because I'm up here this morning, if there was a baptistry right here, because we're about to have baptisms, that I have not reached the point where I'm up here to be like, someone needs to come get the crickets out, right? No, I can walk over, scoop the crickets out and toss them because we are never going to reach a point where we're beyond serving because the Father called us to do it. The full extent of my love means I'm willing to do whatever it takes to serve, right? That's what he got. Like, friends, be born, live, preach the gospel, serve his church, die, be forgotten, and may the name of Jesus be known a little bit more because you and I walk this earth. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Anything else you desire, like we don't want to play the game what we deserve, friends. Don't play that game. That's a game we do not want to get into. This is what Caleb deserves. This is my right. Like all this American stuff, we get caught up in all the stuff we deserve. Throw that out, friends. Preach the gospel, serve his church, be forgotten, and may his name be known a little bit more because you and I existed for a blip on the radar screen of eternity. Why do we serve? Because Jesus demonstrated it. Do you agree we could be done, right? Robbie, come play. Let's wheel this thing out. But let's take it further, shall we? Friends, the second reason we serve is because the Bible commands it. That's why we serve. Over and over and over and over in the New Testament, we are told to serve one another. In fact, you can Google it. They're called the one another's of the New Testament. We're told 59 times in the New Testament to do things for one another. It's almost as if the authors wanted us to get it. Would you agree? So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to read you all of them. All 59. No, you're not, Caleb. Yes, I am. Tim's out of town. We're going to be here all day. <laughs> you ready? Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Believe it or not, those are all from John. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Get off social media. Get off. Get off of it. Love, live in harmony with one another. Even those that you disagree with. Well, I don't like what they stand for and what they talk about. Jesus died for those that you can't stand. He's obsessed with them. He's consumed with them. The gospel is for everyone, all of us, right? He's, he, God is not disappointed with the way in which they're living their lives. He paid the bill in full. Live in harmony with one another, friends. Log off. 
I have a soapbox. I apologize. Jump into Romans. Love one another. Stop passing on judgment to one another. Accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you, instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. That's one you can use, right? Next time you're at a restaurant and someone's eating their salad, be like, wait, it's biblical. You know what I'm saying? It's not your fault. I ordered a steak. You will wait for mine. Like, that's what you made the poor decision. Sometimes the Bible's fun. That's okay. Have equal concern for one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Serve one another in love. In if you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. You know what he's talking to there? The church. We support the church. We're for the church. What you look for, you will find. So stop looking for problems in everyone else but you. Stop. Support the church. Don't bite and devour one another. We support that. Start looking for the good things. Change the way you look at things, friends. Where did I go? Here we go. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Don't lie, don't lie to one another. Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever you're holding on to about whatever it did a long time ago, let it go. Jesus wants you to let it go. Go, don't walk out of here with that same garbage you brought in. Let it go, forgive someone, teach one another, admonish one another. Make your love an increase and overflow for one another. Love each other, encourage each other, build each other up. Encourage one another daily, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encourage one another, don't slander one another, don't grumble against one another. Pray for each other, confess your sins to one another. Love one another deeply from the heart, live in harmony with one another, live Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has to serve one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. And then go to 1 John. Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. Do you get it, church? It's almost as if the things that we do for one another are a really, really, really big deal. Why? Here's why. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus because we want to be a church. I say we, I mean us in this room, right? We want to be a church that is, that are unrelenting in our pursuit of the things that God has called us to because we are obsessed with the gospel of Jesus. We're obsessed and consumed with it. I want to be unrelenting in my pursuit of the things that, I don't want to sit around and talk about what God already did. He already did that. I want to be part of what he's doing and what he's going to do next. I want to chase after that with all I have. So I'm going to chase after the gospel with everything I have. So why is it important that we do these things for one another? Because when we tell the world what the church has to offer to them, if we aren't doing those things for one another, they'll never believe that we'll do it for them. Come, come to our church. We don't judge you here. Yeah, but you got three people in a bunch of other churches that you know that you talk trash about all the time. So you're going to accept me? You don't even accept each other. Can you believe this person stands for this and sticks up for this? Can you believe that? They'll never believe you, friends. We accept you as you are. Do you accept one another as they are? Really? One of my favorite things in Romans chapter 12, it goes, gives us a list of how you should live, right? That we are a church, that we are a body, and the arm needs the leg, and the leg needs the shoulder, and the shoulder needs the foot, and the foot needs the ankle, all these crazy things. We're supposed to be a body of believers. And then it says this, don't pretend to love people, actually love them. Yes. Romans 12, 9, man, highlight it, star it, tattoo it on your arm. Don't pretend. 
actually love people. If we don't do these things for one another, they'll never believe that we're going to do it for them. They'll never, ever believe it. Right? It's why it's like, I don't understand this. Like, you know, we love to sign up to go on mission trips and hold babies in orphanages, but all across the city today, people are begging people to hold the baby of the single mom so she can get poured into in church. What are we doing? What are we doing? I want to be pouring into our people. We should never have a problem. We don't fill spots because there are needs. We fill spots because God's called us to serve one another, and I can't help but serve the kingdom of God. I can't live. I am never satisfied outside of the presence of God. I want to be in it. I want to be a part of it. That's why we serve. There's even more, friends. Shall we go? Point number three, and I never teach him points. I wish Tim was here. He'd be so proud. Why do we serve? Because Jesus demonstrates it, because the Bible commands it, and because we know what's possible when we do it. I've been in a book of the Bible for nine-ish years. I can't shake it. And I got into the book because I didn't know why it was in there. Any of you have those in the book? If you're saying no, you've never read numbers. None of us have a clue what that thing's doing in there. It's one of those questions. I'm going to get to heaven and be like, hey. And people are like, you know, I have some questions about numbers. Yeah, me too. Um, I got questions. Um, I couldn't figure out what this was in there. I always knew it as, uh, it's the book of Ruth, right? And I always just told, you know, it's a love story. And I was like, I don't like those. I'm a dude. But that's a lie. Like, bring me all the rom-com. You know what I mean? Like... This me. My wife watches true crime to go to bed every night. Any of you true crimers out there? And every night I'm dreaming about being murdered or I'm saving one of my kids and I'm running and I wake up stressed. And I'm like, I just want to watch someone share a pizza and wonder if they're going to get together. I want to watch Paul Hollywood great, judge someone's tart and Great British Bake Off. Is it undebaked? That's all I care about. I don't want this. Ugh. I'm watching Cecil Hotel. I'm terrified. I'll never stay anywhere but my house again. (laughs) Bottled water only, friends. So I've been diving this book. Why is this in there? Why is this in here? God, show me what it was. And what I've done is I haven't been able to leave it. I keep coming back to this book, and God keeps showing me things. So I'm going to read you this passage from the book of Ruth, one that has um, completely changed the way I view the world. Um, the past nine years. So uh, are you ready to get into it? We're going to go to the book of Ruth, chapter one. Ruth, chapter one. It says this, starting in verse, where do we start on that? Throw that bad boy on the screen. What verse is Verse six. It says this. <clears throat> Can you see him? I'm in your way. I'll, get, I'll try to get small. I know I'm a big guy. Um, <laughs> when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing them food, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return from there. Here's the scene. Naomi is living in this place with her husband and her two sons. They get married to these two women and her husband and her two sons die, okay? Uh, They decide to maybe move back. Uh, Verse seven, with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you to your own mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. And, and they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. 
But Naomi said, Naomi's the mom, she says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to give you any more sons who could become your daughter, could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they were grown up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. We could do a whole sermon on that, but we just don't have time. Verse 14. At this, they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Underline, star, underline. Spoiler alert. Verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die and be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so harsh, severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, or another word there would be annoying, unrelenting, wouldn't leave me alone, ridiculous, crazy, whatever word you want to use, when she was determined to go with her, she stopped urging. So the two men went on until they came to Bethlehem. So this is the story, right? Ruth and Naomi and Orpah are there, and one goes home, and she's like, go home, my daughters. I have nothing for you. And she's like, no, I will not leave you. You are my mother, and I will serve you until the Lord is done with me. So Ruth, or Naomi's finally like, fine, you stubborn girl, and lets her come with her. Skip ahead to chapter now, Naomi, chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. Now, one reason the book of Ruth is really cool. Because sometimes the Bible looks like one way when your feet are on the ground and you're reading it verse by verse. But sometimes you take a step back and look at the Bible at 30,000 feet and realize that a lot more things are happening here, right? That God and his people were walking along to the first three chapter of Genesis till Abraham decided to go this way and Lot decided to go this way and God's plan was broken. And then you fast forward many, many years and all of a sudden Ruth from this clan over here and Boaz from this clan over here meet. And so really the story of Ruth from 30,000 feet is the story of God's people reuniting and all things being as it should. The Bible Bible's really, really, really cool when you look at it. Look at this. I love the wording here. They're so clever. Way to go, God. Now, Naomi, it's verse 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick the leftover grain by anyone whose eyes I find favor. I love this. Naomi said, Go ahead, my daughter. Like, what's the point in arguing with you, right? Like, you follow me all the way here. I tell you to go, and now you want to go pick up some wheat, and I think I'm going to convince you not to? Get out of the house. Go. Verse verse 3. Ooh, I love this. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And some of the most powerful, four most powerful words in the Old Testament right here. As it turns out, like God does things on accident. You know what I'm saying? As it turns out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz from the tribe over here. Belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, really, really cool story. We could dive into more. Go home and read Ruth this week. Read it once, twice, three times. Spend nine years into it. We could have chats. I'd love to. It's an incredible book. Why is this a big deal? So the story of Ruth goes on. 
and Ruth and Boaz meet. As it turned out, they were working in the same field. And they fall in love. Oh, it's wonderful. Sometimes you just need a good pick-me-up. In the middle of the Old Testament, when everyone's getting dying here and messing up here and building gods here, sometimes you just need a good rom-com right in the middle of the book. Thank you, Jesus, for the book of Ruth. You know what I'm saying? So, go read Ruth. Ruth and Boaz fall in love, right? And they get married. And Ruth and Boaz have a son. And they name their son Obed. And Obed grows up and he meets a woman. And they get married, they fall in love, they get married and they have a son. And Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse grows up, gets married, falls in love. They have, he has a bunch of sons. And one of Jesse's sons' name is David. David who would be a shepherd, who would slay a giant, who would be anointed with oil, become a military leader, and then become a king and a man after God's own heart. And from the line of David would be a woman named Mary who would give birth to a son named Jesus who would change the world, friends. Why do we serve? Because each and every one of us in this room who have said yes to Jesus, we are only here because Ruth served Naomi. That's the power of saying yes to Jesus calling you to serve somebody and something. That's the power. It has the power to change everything about everything. So whether you're holding the door, helping somebody find a seat, praying for people at the end of service, holding a baby, you have the power to change everything about everything. God's power works mightily through you by his grace. That's the power that God has through serving. How do we create generations of people that serve Christ? We serve. That's how we create. You want to see a world where your grandchildren serve Jesus? Serve. Your great-grandchildren are still serving the Father. Is there anything greater that you could chase after than that? No, we serve. That's how we do it. Ruth served Naomi. So I'm up here this morning at 11.30 a.m. in 2022 in, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, telling you about the good things of Jesus because Ruth served Naomi. That's the power that God's calling you to. So there is never, ever, ever an opportunity to excuse yourself from the service of Jesus. That tells me that we aren't spending time in his presence. We're chasing after what God can do for me rather than the person of God himself. And I want to be in the presence of the Father. That's what I want to be. I want to be people who serve the Lord with all that I have. That's how we create generations that serve Christ. A few years ago, I was at a VBS um, uh, at, my, at the church where my dad served and uh, we were attending here at the time so we were just going to VBS there and uh, the last night that they had VBS they handed all the kids silly string and I was like this is the worst idea I've ever seen in my whole life um, and I grew up serving with Tim Mannon who like you know if one of your chairs is crooked he can't even keep going in the sermon like he's like I gotta stop it you know what I'm saying so I, I, that's just the way I was wired. I walk into a room and Tim's like, what's wrong with this room? I'm like, the music's too loud. One light's not on. He's like, good boy. I'm like, all right, here we go. Um, I've been trained. I've been trained. So I'm at this VBS, right? And uh, they're handing out Silly String and I'm sitting there and I'm like panicking. And then the last song, they're all spraying it everywhere. And I'm in the back having a full-blown panic attack. I'm like, I can't even look. My, 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 my dad's like, it'll be okay. And I was like, it's not. It's, it's Saturday. It's Friday. There's church in two days. This is not okay. It's going to get in the carpet. And I'm like stressing out and it all goes wild. Um, and um, it ends and everyone's leaving. And my dad starts picking it up and I go and I start cleaning it up with him. And I'm picking up the silly string and I'm getting the brooms and the mops and, 
And my, every, all, all my daughter's friends leave, and my daughter comes out there, and she's like six at the time, and she starts cleaning it up with me. And this is like 30 minutes into it, a six-year-old still doing this with me, and I'm next to my dad doing this. And, and she finally is like, Dad, what are we doing? We don't even go here. <laughs> the honesty is just my favorite thing in the world. Like, this isn't our church. What are we doing here? And I had this moment because I have my father who has an incredible story. He's a pastor now, but he, um, he was a drug addict, drug dealer, found the Lord driving down the road and turned his life over to the Lord and never turned back. It's an incredible story. He's been a pastor for years. If I could be half the man he is, it'd be twice the man I'd ever hope to be. But since he said yes to Jesus driving down the road on the way to deal more drugs, he's never turned back. And I'm standing next to him. I'm watching him pick up silly string off the ground. And I look to my left and my six-year-old daughter is picking up silly string off the ground. And I realize that there's one, two, three generations of Kennys here. And I look at her in the face and I say, Rosalind, because it is our joy to serve God's church. It is our joy to serve the Father. I said, Rosie, is there anything we could do better with our time than give it to the Father? And she was like, okay. And picked up silly string. I have one real prayer for my children. I mean, I pray my boys don't burn my house down today. I pray that. Like, that I pray. But that moment I heard them scream, that first moment I heard them scream when they came into this world, I wept like a baby each time. I prayed, Jesus, would they belong to and be equipped to advance the kingdom? That's all I desire for them that they would belong to and be equipped to advance God's kingdom. How do we create generations, not just your family, but remember those one another's family? I got so many friends here who have children. I know your son, Robbie, your boy. I want your children's children to serve God's church, to belong to the kingdom of God. How do we do it, friends? We model what it looks like to serve. We serve and we don't serve because there's a need or an obligation we serve because we want to spend time in the presence of God we want to get to know God more I want to hear his voice and above all other things that he is he's a servant to us so friends we serve so how does this apply to us this morning what am I here to encourage you with at Oklahoma City Community Church this morning my question to you is maybe there's a new who that God's calling you to serve. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's one that you don't like, right? But we got 59 times we're told over and over and over and over to serve them. Maybe it's time to stop biting and devouring one another. Maybe it's time to stop looking for uh, things that you don't like and stop looking at them in the way the Father sees them. It's so wonderful and beautiful that he sent his kid for them. Maybe that's the new who you need to serve somebody at your work, maybe it's that one person in your family that no one likes to take a phone call from, just pick the phone up, talk to them. Maybe it's a neighbor. I mean, we talk about this this church all the time. Be the greatest neighbor any of your neighbors have ever had. When you move, may they be so sad because you serve them so well. Maybe it's a new where God's calling you to serve. 
I know just a few weeks ago here at this church, we talked about all these different uh, communities that we want to partner with to serve our city. We want to bring life to our city. How do we do that? Through the hands and feet of Jesus, serving people. No matter in the agenda, it doesn't matter what agenda you bring. I'm here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Come as you are, right? What did the disciples say over and over? Come and see, come and see, come and see. Maybe it's a new who, maybe it's a new where, maybe it's a new what. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But my prayer for Oklahoma City Community Church is that we would seek after the Father, his person, and his presence more than the things that he offers us. If Jesus never did another thing for you, hasn't he already done more than enough, church? Is there anything more that we need him to do? And is there anything that God's gonna call you to do that he's not bigger than? No. So may we be people that chase after that. I think my greatest fear on earth is that I would get to heaven without understanding this. So can I read this over you this morning, church, is my prayer for you. 2 Timothy chapter four, Paul writes this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Not a suggestion, not an idea, church. Those of you who belong to Jesus, this is your charge. So can I give this to you via Paul this morning? Preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men and women will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Isn't that true, friends? Verse four, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Oklahoma City Community Church, you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships, church. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I, we, are already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for our departure. May we fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep the faith. Now there is in store for me, church. Listen to this. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, who will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. My greatest fear, church, is that I'm going to get to heaven half full. I don't want to get to heaven half full. I want to be poured out. When the Father went to the cross, did he have anything left? He left it all. And then, after leaving everything he had, he sent you and me to be his church. What greater joy is it to partner alongside the creator of the universe to advance the kingdom of Jesus with everything that we have. May we be a people, church, that because Jesus demonstrated it, because the Bible commands it, and because we know what's possible when we do it, may we serve with all that we have. May we gather on Sunday mornings to be filled up by the grace of Jesus through, through that ministry and through worship and through his word. And then may we walk out of these doors and be poured out.
Because I don't want to get to heaven half full. I don't want a church full of spiritual bulimics where we come in on Sunday morning and we eat and eat and eat and we eat to worship and eat the community and eat the teaching up and we go home and throw it up and starve ourselves the rest of the week. And then we get upset next Sunday when you don't serve us the menu that we want. I don't want that. We don't need to be fed anymore, friends. We're too fat. We got to go exercise our faith. Let's go get to work, shall we? May we live lives that are filled up when we gather together, filled up in the presence of God, not because I want things from you, but because your presence is the only place that we are satisfied. Jesus, may you fill us up and may we pour ourselves out. I don't want to get there half full, friends, because I believe what's possible when we do this. I believe it could change everything about everything. I believe that we could see generations come to know Jesus by our willingness to serve his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that your word will do what it does. God, I pray that it stirred us up today. I pray that it convicts us, Jesus. I pray that it causes us to soar, Lord God. I thank you for your word, the power of your word, Father. I thank you that you have called us to something, that you somehow would humble yourself to the point of a servant, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you served us freely. God, may we serve because you serve. God, I thank you for the commands that you've given us over and over and over and over. May we not take them lightly. May we serve because you called us to serve, that you commanded us to, Jesus. And may we serve because we see what's possible when we do it. We see what happens when a Ruth serves Naomi. Jesus, may we be people that desire to see generations come to know you. So may we do that through our service, Father. May we be people who seek your face, Father. May we hear your voice. May we never be satisfied outside of your presence, God. May we walk out of this room differently, Jesus, than the way we walked in. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.